Welcome to TSF Life, a podcast ministry of the Shepherd's Fellowship Church in Marion, Ohio. TSF Life is designed to bring you biblical teaching in a relational way that's easy to apply to your life. Let's join Pastor Tom Hypes as we dive into today's teaching. Okay, we all know Rudolph, right? We all grew up with Rudolph. We all love Rudolph. Rudolph is great. Uh, uh, so the... Um, and I did find, because we were talking about Rudolph oh, about a month ago, and um, here on Sunday morning, we were talking about whether or not, I was trying to debate if the Island of Misfit Toys was like part of the original special, or if it was a spinoff. You remember they did all the spinoffs of all the ones trying to like continue on, like where Frosty the Snowman goes to Vegas or whatever. <laughs> like there was a bunch of weird ones that they did, and I couldn't, you don't remember that? No. Yeah. It's like three minutes long. Uh, but, but Tommy was right. Tommy was right. It was absolutely part of the first, uh, first one, and it's uh, always a joy when your pastoral studies include watching Rudolph <laughs> again. But I did know some some other things. There's uh, some Rudolph trivia that I actually won a radio contest with many, many years ago when I was first stepping into full-time ministry. I had a part-time job that, well, I looked at it as a part-time job where they, you could listen to the radio all day. And I remember they had a radio contest, and they were asking what department store uh, created Rudolph, Red Nose Reindeer. And if I've already played this game with you in December, you're not allowed to answer. But does anybody know? Macy's? No. 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 Nazareth? No. What was the other one? Gimbals? No, I don't even remember Gimbals, but, you know, I'm young. No. I, I guess I, I, only because I, I ended up winning. Because uh, I guess right, because my mom worked there for a short period of time, so I just thought I would go ahead and um, and guess Montgomery Ward created it. And when we were talking about it in December, uh, Jessica threw out a name with it, and I had not heard the name before. Uh, Robert May was the one who wrote the story because he was an author who worked for their catalog uh, area of things, and they asked him to write a story because in the past they've already always done these. Uh, child book giveaways at Christmas. And they thought, well, if we write one, we'd save so much more money than if we have to pay for the copyright or whatnot. So Robert L. May is the one that did that. So a little trivia question for you, a little bit of fun. Uh, the, I'll tell you the one trivia question, Rudolph, that always annoys the daylights out of me, though, uh, is actually in the song. They, they, you guys were just singing. I purposely said, make sure you sing that beginning of, like, you know, Dancer and Francer and Lancer and... Billy and all, right? <laughs> Who came up with that? You remember all of these, but do you recall the most famous reindeer of all? Well, yeah, he's the most famous reindeer of all. That's like a dumb, it's like, you know Rudolph, but do you recall? You know, like <laughs> all the people you never remember. But anyways, that's always bothered me, so I just like get that out of my system. But I think as kids, we definitely liked Rudolph because I think we related to it. I think um, when, at least for me, and I know for others I've talked to, it became something so endearing because as kids we're just so aware of our, our uniquenesses and we're always worried about how we fit in or how we don't fit in. And so having the story of you know, a reindeer that has a red nose and then you've got an elf who wants to be a dentist. Uh, <laughs> Which I had a buddy who, when he was a senior, looked exactly like, it's Hobie, right? Hobie the elf? Exactly yeah. like Homie, Homie. We, we actually did a video um, at his anniversary of his job on his life. 
and uh, included part of this as his life back when he wanted to be a dentist because he looked so much like him. You got Yukon Cornelius, who he's a little off, right? I mean, he's just out in the wilderness by himself, all, going all over the place, um, trying to, to take down the uh, abominable snowman. And even then, abominable snowman ends up becoming part of the crowd by the end of it. And th- that's, that's on top of all the uniquenesses of the toys. And we'll, it, it, I believe it's created that way for a reason. Um, to have the uniquenesses of a boy that takes and swims. Or, hey, here's another trivia question for you. Do you know why Dolly is a misfit toy? There, there was actually, I, when I was reading up on it, there was debate back in the day because they never revealed it on the show. No. The gun shoots the jelly. Which I have no problem with the, uh, the gun that shoots jelly because I make peanut butter and jelly sometimes, and I hate it. <laughs> I hate it because, like, do you use two knives? Do you use one for the peanut butter, then the jelly? Which one's first? Uh, if you use the squeezable jars, because I know somebody's thinking, use the squeezable jars. Those things are just as annoying uh, to me. Uh, having a gun to shoot, shoot, that's not a bad idea. Not a bad idea. I don't, I don't think he'd be a misfit for that anymore. I think he'd be a misfit because he's a toy gun that looks like a real gun, and that's not allowed anymore. But anyways, back to Dolly. Dolly, they actually had to do a, uh, a statement later. One of the producers came out and said that she struggled with uh, social skills and uh, depression. Wow. That, 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 that came out a year after this. It's not like something that they're trying to make it fit to today's age. That's, that's what it was. She was a Dolly that was depressed, and so she couldn't be, be uh, I that she said the girl's name on the thing, but that's why she couldn't be within that. But... Um, and, and again, I, I think we can continue that on into our own selves. There's, there's, all of us have misfit, uh, different capabilities. Might be that you're into something or very passionate about something that's not quite the quote-unquote norm. I don't really know what the norm is, but quote-unquote norm, like I think like Big Bang Theory or um, people maybe like uh, we have folks in our church who love cosplay. That's an awesome community, but you end up, you know, buying plane tickets to be able to be in a convention hall with a bunch of people the same because it's not necessarily everybody in town that's into cosplay. It's awesome about, about you, but it's just may, maybe something that's off the beaten path as far as how the world looks at things. So, um, your book nerd or science geek or whatever the case may be might fall into that. Um, again, great things just might not be understood by all of the, the public ability. Um, another one's like uh, listening to Harry Styles. That would really be, sorry, it's an inside joke of Viv, that's not died yet, sorry. But you can also be a misfit for being sensitive, being creative, uh, struggling with your social skills, being unable to relate to the world's ways, just not, not being uh, uh, like, like everybody else. And I think as we grow older, they say it gets better. I, don't, I, I think it gets better as far as how we as the world understand that we're supposed to be unique. Uh, but we still have insecurities. We still have struggles. You still try to fit in. You still try to not let certain things show in certain environments because of just how the world loves, uh, looks at things. But I'm convinced that Jesus loves misfits. I'm convinced that Jesus loves misfits. If you just look at the Christmas story itself, um, and the kids are a great job representing it uh, up, up here, but um, if you look at um, Zachariah and Elizabeth, the good Jewish couple, wise in their years, but had never been able to have a child, or far past the years of being able to have a child, have spent years praying for a child and it never happened. 
and God says, well, let's let them be the parents of the forerunner. That, that's unique because he likes the misfit aspects of us so he can show his glory through us. With Jesus' mom, he goes the exact opposite. And to so, a young woman has really no life experience whatsoever. She's been trained how to be a housewife and a mom, has never known intimacy, and says, yeah, I think I'll make her pregnant. And, and, and all of a sudden, now we have these two people that are in poverty, both jo Joseph, that are not uh, large in the world, that are having the Messiah. Ones that have to go for the census, ones who can't even fit into the town of his birth, ones who can't find some place to, to be able to find some beddings. You have to have your kid in a bone. That's a little misfitty. And if that doesn't amaze you, I think we're losing some awe when it comes to the Christmas narrative. Um, the, uh, the, when the uh, shepherds came up, and I, I love talking about shepherds and the wise men every year. I'm doing shorter version this year. It's a little bit different in so many ways. But um, the shepherds, again, they were, the, they were part of a career that no one respected. They, they were so considered despised and looked down upon that they weren't allowed to be, to be witnesses in court trials because they just thought they were liars and that they were always up to something and trying to con, con people. And, and God says, hey, here's my first witnesses. The wise men, again, a lot of times we think about them as kings and whatnot. They weren't kings. They were king makers. But they're Gentiles. They're not Jewish. They're from a completely different area. There's absolutely, if you don't look at the Bible as a whole, you have no idea why the wise men even show up. How could they possibly be looking for the king of the Jews when they're not part of that process in any way, shape, or form? You have to go back to Daniel in the Old Testament to see when that misfit was was being held hostage, was being part of his people, were being uh, oppressed by another regime, that what happened through that misfit led to generations of waiting for the wise men for them to be able to show up on the scene. Everything within the scripture we see time and time again is God just loves misfits. I shared with you guys scripture uh, several times before because uh, I love the scripture. It's in James 4, and it says, Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will lift you up. And the, that, that's an encouraging truth. There's also kind of an uh behind it, because if you don't humble yourself, he'll knock you down uh, to get you to that point so he can lift you up. But if you humble yourself, if you choose to humble yourself and just be who God has created you to be, then he can do great things through you and, and great and awesome things. Even James, who wrote that, was a misfit. James was the great bishop of Jerusalem, who just a few years before was the half-brother of Jesus, and thought he was a lunatic, made fun of him, tried to shut him up, tried to shut him down, until Jesus appeared to him after his resurrection, and then he got saved. He accepted Jesus as leader forgiven as his own life, his half-brother in his own life as his Lord, and then was doing these great things to be able to remind us he loves the humble. He gets excited about the humble. And so from that aspect, I think there's a lot of things that kind of reminds us how we can be in the Lord. That we don't have to be an image. That we don't have to be a caricature. We, we don't have to be anything except for what he has created us to be. And as his church, that's exactly what we're called to be. So with you, for an analogy, a buddy of mine named Troy shared one time about how um, with the, the fields with wildflowers, how there's so much variety and how beautiful it is. And that's how God works. And a lot of times in the church, capital C, we try to present an image. We try to all be the same. We try to fit and be a clone. 
and that's not, never what he intended. There's uh, past, I guess it would be a week and a half ago now, when we were down in Tennessee, I was reading some commentary on James. And um, the, the guy was talking about how there's two different views. This is his commentary. Two different views on the church, those inside the church and those outside the church. That those inside the church love the church. You can be yourself. You can fall, fall apart. He can lift you up. He moves you forward. We can be there for each other. And then those uh, outside the church that see us as hypocrites, jokes, um, present ourselves as perfect and, we, and we're constantly messed up and you know, TV pastors falling left and right and all these different things. Um, I'm not 100% sure of that. Matter of fact, I'm 100% sure that it's not just those two. I think that there are people that view the church like that, and I think we asked for it. I think we asked for it as a capital C. Not everybody, but overall, we have a problem within the church, capital C, where we are present, trying to present an image. That if you look at not all, but several of the big churches that are in the national, um, you, no one ever just has a bad day. You know, it's like it's it's the perfect performance, it's the perfect view, it's the perfect. I, I've been at a, a pastor um, conference one time. The pastor was saying, "If you want to grow, you've got to become less and less accessible to your people. They've got to not be able to have easy access to you." Um, that's not what we're called to. I, I anyways, I, I see the point because I, I struggled at that point once before. I. Uh, and um, and again, I think it hurts people in the long run. When we first started the fellowship, I remember, and when I say we at that point, it was just me and, and, and God, and uh, God smacking me around a little bit. And um, I had, I was coming out of church, I'd read every church planning book that you can find. I'd been to conferences and seminars and all kinds of stuff. Um, and... I was coming at it from a standpoint of, we're going to show them this is how you do it. And I was convinced, and I'm so convinced today that if I changed, if our elders changed, if our staff changed perspective a little bit, we could be a church of 506 months. We know how to do that. Um, and when we got ready to start moving forward, God shut it all down in one weekend. Because the thing is, is the stuff that I was thinking and focusing on very little of it had anything to do with the scripture. As a matter of fact, a lot of it was contradictory to the scripture. It was all image. It was all image. And what he has done with it, what he's taught me with it, and what we've become, it to me is so beautiful. I'm so thankful he didn't let us train wreck so hard in those early days and hurt people. Um, because I don't know if I like the, the term island, because I don't want us to be like we're an island, nobody else can get to us. Um, but I definitely think we're misfits. And I like being a misfit. I really do. Um, now, this is where I get asked for grace, uh, especially from the staff and the elders, uh, because I want to talk about how we don't necessarily always fit in to what you might think of if you're thinking of a more of a mega church mentality. And again, I'm not against all mega churches, but there was definitely some models out there that I messed up. Um, so I love you guys, but Sandy. We know Sandy to be unbelievably dedicated to the kids, right? Everybody knows that. Very loving, caring person. I don't know anybody at Saddleback that 
nicknames themselves at their workplace the four foot demon. <laughs> She's not four foot. She's not four foot. And I also don't think that back row, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Actually, I was thinking if we wanted a taller version of the, the demon analogy, we also have Jessica on our uh, staff. Beautiful, beautiful Jessica. I couldn't think of anything wrong with Jessica, so I thought, Michael, can you come up and maybe share a couple of misfit ideas? <laughs> Youth minister. Katie, you in the room? Come here, please. I need Katie's help with this one. Because we had a conversation two weeks ago, and so now it's been some time, so I'm not going sure if you're going to remember the whole thing. But remember when I was trying to think of the word, I, the only thing that was coming to mind was flaky, but I knew flaky wasn't it, and you came up with a, you couldn't come up with the word, but you came up with a sentence. Do you remember? Nope. <laughs> it's because I'm flaky. It's because you're flaky. Okay. You don't remember how did you, did you describe yourself? I'll see. That's what happens with the stone from I the winter. Yeah. Yeah. Super! That's, that's right! I'll pay you later. <laughs> I mean, you don't want to talk about Mike. Mike just went through a house disaster at his house. But. But I don't ever remember watching anything with Elevation Worship and the worship leader sings as many songs that's on the screen as they do as they make up as they go. <laughs> and Mike puts that, at, I forget exactly how he phrased it, because he was saying yesterday, we, we were over at the house, uh, I was watching people work on the house, and um, my, they said something about details or something, I think it was when we were trying to find, he was trying to find his keys. And he's just like, I, I just, I, I don't know about details. I just don't do details. And everybody in, his, in the room, especially his wife, was like, really? That's not your, that's not your thing? It's not just staff, elders. Guess we have to start with the senior elder. The problem I have with Chuck is I couldn't really think of anything. I mean, he, if you look at a lot of, like, like these, these, Elderly, like wise and years, bringing the scripture guys, he looks the poet as well as fills the poet. And he even has like a real stylish shirt on today. I think he lost 10 years with a shirt on today. It was a gift? Yeah, they do that to me when they're trying to give a message to me. Uh, my clothes. I, I did think um, one, one goofy thing and one serious thing. Uh, the only thing I could really think of Chuck is maybe, you know, the mouth his wife has on her. The, uh, <laughs> I knew you'd take that. But if we were of certain styles of churches, Chuck might not be considered an eldership, unless if he has a fancy title or finances behind him. Because they're looking for people in the 30s and the 40s and they want to have this certain image. And that, I think, is pretty messed up. Angie. Hi, Angie. You still in the room? 
<laughs> but it wasn't that long ago that Andy was standing with Chocho and feeling alone and struggling with some things with how things had gone in her life. And now she's a great encourager to so many people in this church and our community. That is Monica. So many times I've asked you that. <laughs> but you're looking at my sisters, you're looking at my brothers, you're looking at the best staff and elders I could possibly pray for. Possibly pray for. We are so blessed. Somebody clapped. Was, it, was this one of the kids? Kids are like, you said something positive. But... You don't even really have to look at the staff of the elders because your pastor is kind of jacked up. No. Kind of. Well, the shirt was on purpose today. Because, yeah, every day, I'm kind of a butthead. Kind of. Can I get some of those in-ears that the worship team uses so I can't hear anybody but what I want to hear? And forget about the, the felony 33 years ago, because some people have testimonies like, I forget the, the, my first wife leaving in the divorce. Um, but it's like the cheap imitation reboot of Moses when he calls somebody who has a speech impediment to be a speaker for his life. <laughs> it's kind of jacked up. And then, like, if I'm looking at my list, I got my speech. I am an expert at sarcasm. Uh, which actually is probably the only reason I survive here, because uh, I'm not the only one. I am critical leaning in my think thought process. I have to catch my thoughts and think things through before I just come from a critical standpoint. I'm never serious, um, unless if I am serious. And I think, well, the thing is, the thing I like about you guys is that you guys, if I switch and say something seriously, you listen or you hear. Um, it's not, I'm not such a goofball that, well, maybe I am. But I will say this, I'm everything that the books I've read 20 years ago say I should not be. I should have rock-hard rock abs, I should look like a model off of some thingamajabi, be with some celebrity pastor type thing over there. You guys don't, don't need to add. You guys are over there adding, you don't need to add. But I've never felt unloved, unrespected, or not cared for as a whole in this church. Because we're misfits. This is, I believe, who we were supposed to to be. I've been kind of playing with the misfit thing for the last couple of months. I've been putting on my check-ins, sometimes like uh, hanging with my misfits or uh, see my misfits soon or that type of stuff. And like you guys have been biting on that like, yeah, well, here we go. Let's go be misfits together. I mean, like, like everybody's been on board with it. And I, I think it's reflective of our hearts because I hear oftentimes uh, people talking about the environment we purposely ch chased after that you can be yourself here. And a couple of days before, our, we were supposed to have Christmas Eve Eve, uh, we were doing the practice in the youth group. I don't know if you guys know this. They adopted a family. It was a single mom with, I think, four kids. Is that right? Yeah. I was going to say, no, don't hold up fingers because I can't see them. Three. Um, three kids. And when we, we do that, we get the presents to the the parents of the parent and Santa can figure that out, and it's not us showing up, like in front of the kids type thing. And uh, so she, she came, and she, she was picking up the presents, and, and uh, Katie was talking to her about our church, and um, I, I loved hearing what Katie had to say about it. And uh, when we 
we went out to the, the car and we're all talking and stuff and I left because um, the things that Katie was saying were on the verge of complimentary and I don't do that. And uh, and so after I left, she was like, by the way, that was, I don't know if you picked up on it, that was the pastor. And she's like, you're kidding me. That was the pastor? That's what we want. That's what we want. We, uh, everybody can just be themselves and move forward. Uh, the Christmas-themed Sundays that we did, that was something just stupid off the top of the head because Emily's school was doing it. And you guys geeked out. <laughs> you guys geeked out. It was just like moments between uh, before Amanda and Mira were going back and forth in the comment section trying to figure out who had what outfits and who got the real what or something like that. And Mira got upset. She, she literally, this we announced it like Wednesday for the first one. And she's like, you can't give me just three-day notice on something like this. That's not enough notice. But I love that. I love the fact that the people that are into that could do that and have fun and that everybody else loves them and that the, some of you guys can just be real killjoys and not join in at all, and we love you too. It's just a matter of being the misfits. Misfits, I wouldn't trade for the world. Jesus loves misfits, and the world needs to see misfits. If they're attracted to a cartoon because they see themselves there, can they see themselves in the church? Jesus loves misfits, but he also was one. Is that heresy to say? First off, Jesus was expected. He was missed by most because he didn't come in as a warrior or some kind of great king or something of that nature. We know that, right? But he came as a baby. That's his choice. That was God's choice to give him to peasants in the middle of nowhere that were in, in poverty in Nazarene. Um, this is just Tom, so you don't have to accept this. But I am pretty confident Jesus and John the Baptist were really weird kids. I, I just, I, I believe that. I, I think we only get the one story in the scripture. We have some outside historical stuff, but the one story in the scripture when he's 12. But you don't become John the Baptist rearing animal uh, fur in the desert eating crickets without being a weird kid first. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just, and then to have a kid around you all the time that never sins... You can't tell me Jesus wasn't weird. There's just something different about that. I, I, I think that they were definitely misfits. And if you don't want to look at it from that standpoint, Jesus was an illegitimate child in an age that that was just completely disgusting. And I think it following through the whole, his whole life, he was different, he was weird, he just couldn't get in line with the norm. And I think we're called to be the same. I'm going to read to you a scripture from Paul. I'm going to read, uh, Scott noticed that this looked like a new Bible. It's just because it's a Bible I don't use that much. And I just got it a couple weeks ago, so I guess it is new. Uh, but it's the message translation. And I have nothing, I, I'm not down on the message translation at all. I hope nobody takes that away from me. I don't think it's a good study Bible. I think it's a good reading Bible. Um, because it is very, very loose everyday language. And I think it loses some of the study all. Uh, but in this particular section, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth and, um, about his life and what's going on in his life. And I find it encouraging, uh, being the, the weirdo that I am. Because he says in 1 Corinthians 4, this is going to be 10 through 20, if you want to write that down. 1 Corinthians 4, 10 through 20. Uh, he writes this, Were the Messiah's misfits. We might be sure of, you might be sure of yourselves, but we live in the midst of being frail and uncertainties. You might be well thought of by others, but were mostly kicked around. 
Most of the time, we don't have enough to eat. We were patched in threadbare clothes. We got doors slammed in our faces. Then we pick up odd jobs anywhere we can to just make a living. When they call us names, we say, God bless you. When they spread rumors about us, we put in good word for them. We're treated like garbage, the leftovers that nobody wants, and it's not getting any better. I'm not writing all this as a neighborhood scold to shame you. I'm writing as a father to you, my children. I love you, and I want you to grow up well and not spoiled. There are a lot of people around who can't wait to tell you what you've done wrong, but there aren't many fathers willing to take the time and effort to help you grow up. It was as Jesus helped me proclaim God's message to you that I became your father. I'm not, you know, asking you to do anything I'm not already doing myself. This is why I sent Timothy to you earlier. He's also my dear son, and he's true to the master. He will refresh your memory on the instructions I regularly give all the churches on the way of Christ. I know there are some among you who are so full of yourselves, they never listen to anyone, let alone me. They don't think that I'll ever show up in person, but I'll be there sooner than you think, God willing. And then we'll see if they're just full of something other than hot air. God's way is not a matter of mere talk. It's an empowered life. So listen, if you're a misfit, you're welcome to. As you fit in. I don't know if you caught it at the beginning. I kind of forgot about him because when he was a little kid, he creeped me out real bad. Uh, the lion flying across the sky at the beginning? Anybody know his name? Hmm? King Moon Racer. I don't know why he freaked me out so bad as a kid. Uh, his role was to go out amongst the world and find the misfit toys and invite them to this community until he could find them a place that would appreciate them. Because we all have a place in this world. I don't care how, if it was just the engine of that caboose, or no, the caboose of that train that had the square wheels. Amanda could buy that for JT and he'd love it. <laughs> True. If we as the church can just accept the fact that he seeks us, he calls us, he draws us together, and you're only supposed to be who you are in Christ. Don't live your best life now. Live your best life in Christ. Be who you are in Christ. And the world will respond. If we invite them to anything else, we're setting them up for something that's going to fall apart. We've got to be able to embrace our misfitness. And I really think that they would be driven to and respond to and connect with a Lord more so than we will a reindeer that has a red nose. If you were blessed by today's teaching, we hope you return for our next podcast. Or better yet, stop by the Shepherd's Fellowship any Sunday morning to join us live. You can learn more about the church by calling 740 780-3500 or check us out online by going to tsflife.com that's tsflife.com you can also support the ministry of TSF Life by donating at our church website or sending support to the Shepherd's Fellowship 1647 Marion Marysville Road Marion Ohio 
4-3-3-0-2. Thank you for spending your time with us today, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Be blessed.